0: Today is the fourth day of July. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian. It's wonderful to be here with you today. It's a special day. Like, it's a national holiday in the United States. But it's also my wife Jill's birthday. So, happy birthday, Jill. Uh, Jill kind of shares a birthday with the United States. So, uh, festive. Festive celebration all day and fireworks tonight. Enjoy your day. It's wonderful to be here with you as uh, no matter what the day may be or what the day may bring, we come together around this global campfire and allow God's word to have a space in our day and it affects the rest of our day. So uh, off we go. We're reading from the book of Second Kings, as I'm sure you are aware but uh, we'll be concluding the book of Second Kings today, so uh, the books of the Kings are about concluded and we will move into the books of Chronicles starting tomorrow. So today, from the Christian Standard Bible, which is what we're reading from this week, Second Kings chapter 23 verse 31 through 25 verse 30. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, daughter of Jeremiah. She was from Libna. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done. Pharaoh Necho imprisoned him at Riblah in the land of Hamath to keep him from reigning in Jerusalem and he imposed on the land a fine of 7,500 pounds of silver and 75 pounds of gold. Then Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, son of Josiah, king in place of his father Josiah, and changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. But Necho took Jehoahaz and went to Egypt, and he died there. So Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but at Pharaoh's command, he taxed the land to give it. He exacted the silver and the gold from the common people, each according to his assessment, to give it to Pharaoh Nico. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zabida, daughter of Padiah. She was from Rumah. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done. During Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon attacked. Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years, and then he turned and rebelled against him. The Lord sent Chaldean, Aramean, Moabite, and Ammonite raiders against Jehoiakim. He sent them against Judah, to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord he had spoken through his servants, the prophets. Indeed, this happened to Judah at the Lord's command to remove them from his presence. It was because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all he had done, and also because of all the innocent blood he had shed. He had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood and the Lord was not willing to forgive The rest of the events of Jehoiakim's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. Jehoiakim rested with his fathers, and his son, Jehoiakim, became king in his place. Now the king of Egypt did not march out of his land again, for the king of Babylon took everything that had belonged to the king of Egypt from the brook of Egypt to the Euphrates River. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Nehushta, daughter of Elnathan. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father had done. At that time, The servants of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon marched up to Jerusalem and the city came under siege. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to the city while his servants were besieging it. King Jehoiakim of Judah along with his mother, his servants, his commanders and his officials surrendered to the king of Babylon. So the king of Babylon took him captive in the eighth year of his reign. He also carried off from there all the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king's palace and he cut into pieces all the gold articles that King Solomon of Israel had made for the Lord's sanctuary just as the Lord had predicted. He deported all Jerusalem and all the commanders and all the best soldiers, 10,000 captives, including all the craftsmen and metalsmiths. Except for the poorest people of the land, no one remained. Nebuchadnezzar deported Jehoiakim to Babylon. He took the king's mother, the king's wives, his officials, and the leading men of the land into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. The king of Babylon brought captive into Babylon all 7,000 of the best soldiers and 1,000 craftsmen and metalsmiths, all strong and fit for war. And the king of Babylon made Mataniah, Joiakim's uncle, king in his place, and changed his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamotel, daughter of Jeremiah. She was from Libna, Zedekiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight just as Jehoiakim had done. Because of the Lord's anger, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he finally banished them from his presence. Then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. In the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon advanced against Jerusalem with his entire army. They laid siege to the city and built a siege wall against it all around. The city was under siege until King Zedekiah's eleventh year. By the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that the common people had no food. Then the city was broken into and all the warriors fled at night by way of the city gate between the two walls near the king's garden, even though the Chaldeans surrounded the city. As the king made his way along the route to the Arabah, the Chaldean army pursued him and overtook him in the plains of Jericho. Zedekiah's entire army left him and scattered. The Chaldeans seized the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and they passed sentence on him they slaughtered Zedekiah's sons before his eyes. Finally, the king of Babylon blinded Zedekiah, bound him in bronze chains, and took him to Babylon. On the seventh day of the fifth month, which was the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guards, a servant of the king of Babylon, entered Jerusalem. He burned the Lord's temple, the king's palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. He burned down all the great houses. The whole Chaldean army, with the captain of the guards, tore down the walls surrounding Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guards, deported the rest of the people who remained in the city the deserters who had defected to the king of Babylon, and the rest of the population. But the captain of the guards left some of the poorest of the land to be vine-dressers and farmers. Now the Chaldeans broke into pieces the bronze pillars of the Lord's temple, the water carts and the bronze basin, which were in the Lord's temple, and carried the bronze to Babylon. They also took the pots, shovels, wick trimmers, dishes, and all the bronze articles used in the priest's service. The captain of the guards took away the fire pans and sprinkling basins, whatever was gold or silver. As for the two pillars, the one basin and the water carts that Solomon had made for the Lord's temple, the weight of the bronze of all these articles was beyond measure. One pillar was 27 feet tall and had a bronze capital on top of it. The capital encircled by a grating and pomegranates of bronze, stood five feet high. The second pillar was the same, with its own grating. The captain of the guards also took away Sariah, the chief priest, Zephaniah, the priest of the second rank, and the three doorkeepers. From the city he took a court official who had been appointed over the warriors, five trusted royal aides found in the city, the secretary of the commander of the army who enlisted the people of the land for military duty and sixty men from the common people who were found within the city. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guards, took them and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. The king of Babylon put them to death at Riblah in the land of Amoth. So Judah went into exile from its land. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon appointed Gedaliah, son of Ahikim, son of Shaphan, over the rest of the people he left in the land of Judah. When all the commanders of the armies, they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah, they came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. The commanders included Ishmael, son of Netaniah, Johanan, son of Kariah, Saraiah son of Tenumath, the Netophatite and Jeazaniah, son of the Maacatite, they and their men. Gedaliah swore an oath to them and their men, assuring them, Don't be afraid of the servants of the Chaldeans. Live in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it will go well for you. In the seventh month, however, Ishmael, son of Netaniah, son of Elishamah, of the royal family, came with ten men and struck down Gedaliah, and he died. Also, they killed the Judeans and the Chaldeans who were with him at Mizpah. Then all the people from the youngest to the oldest and the commanders of the army left and went to Egypt, for they were afraid of the Chaldeans. On the 27th day of the 12th month of the 37th year of the exile of Judah's king Jehoiakim, In the year evil Moradak became king of Babylon, he pardoned King Jehoiakim of Judah and released him from prison. He spoke kindly to him and set his throne over the thrones of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim changed his prison clothes and he dined regularly in the presence of the king of Babylon for the rest of his life. As for his allowance, a regular allowance was given to him by the king, a portion for each day for the rest of his life. Acts 22.17-23.10 through 23, 10. After I returned to Jerusalem, and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him telling me, Hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. But I said, Lord, they know that in synagogue after synagogue I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. He said to me, Go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They listened to him up to this point. Then they raised their voices, shouting, Wipe this man off the face of the earth! He should not be allowed to live! As they were yelling and flinging aside their garments and throwing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, directing that he be interrogated with the scourge to discover the reason they were shouting against him like this. As they stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing by, Is it legal for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and is uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, He went and reported to the commander, saying, What are you going to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. The commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, he said. The commander replied, I bought this citizenship for a large amount of money. But I was born a citizen, Paul said so those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. The commander, too, was alarmed when he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and he had bound him. The next day, since he wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and instructed the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin to convene. He brought Paul down and placed him before them. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience to this day. The high priest Ananias ordered those who were standing next to him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. You are sitting there judging me according to the law and yet in violation of the law are you ordering me to be struck? Those standing nearby said, Do you dare revile God's high priest? I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, replied Paul. For it is written, You must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the Sanhedrin, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection and neither angel nor spirit. But the Pharisees affirm them all. The shouting grew loud and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party got up and argued vehemently, We find nothing evil in this man. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? When the dispute became violent, the commander feared that Paul might be torn apart by them and ordered the troops to go down, take him away from them, and bring him into the barracks. Psalm 2 Coronation of the Sun Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and His Anointed One. Let's tear off their chains and throw their ropes off of us. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord ridicules them. Then He speaks to them in His anger and terrifies them in His wrath. "'I have installed my king on Zion.' My holy mountain. I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with an iron scepter, you will shatter them like pottery. So now, Kings. Be wise. Receive instruction. You judges of the earth, serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. Pay homage to the son or he will be angry and you will perish in your rebellion. For his anger may ignite at any moment. All who take refuge in him are happy. Proverbs 18, 13. The one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. Okay, so even as we're here on the 4th of July and... Uh, really finding us pretty well squarely in the center of this year. We have to acknowledge, busy as a day as this might be for, for a lot of us, uh, really important, really monumental things are happening uh, that, that very much set up all of the places that we're going to go as we continue our journey through the Bible. In the Old Testament, what we saw today was Babylon invade the southern kingdom of Judah. So just by way of reminder, the northern kingdom of Israel, those ten tribes, they were conquered. We read of that story and we talked about it then by the Assyrian Empire. Those ten tribes disappeared as cohesive tribes from that point forward. They were carried into exile. So all that remained of the people that we've been traveling with practically since the beginning of the year, like all the way through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? And then the story of Joseph and the people going to Egypt and becoming a people and the wilderness story and the promised land story, like all of the time that we've been spending in the Old Testament has been with these people today. The only people left were Judah And Babylon invaded and conquered Jerusalem The one city that had never fallen And the people were carried away into exile So what we have to understand is that The story that we've been following From the beginning of the Bible From Abraham That, that story is over the people were promised a land and they would live there in peace and harmony forever under his rule if they would simply obey him and they simply did not. And so, as we remember all of the blessings and the curses that were reported and recited on Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebo, well, the curses have come true and they have been removed from the land. They're is no Israel anymore, and there is no Judah anymore. We will continue to follow the stories of these people, and some of them will be able to return and even rebuild back in their homeland, but it's never going to be under their sovereign control like it was again. So that's kind of a big deal. There is much territory to, uh, to continue to go through. And even as we watched Babylon conquer Jerusalem and then install, uh, you know, vassal kings who had allegiance to Babylon, we see that this took some time before finally, through rebellion, uh, Babylon came and just leveled Jerusalem. Some of the goings on that are happening in this tumultuous time, we we will get into further depth when we get into the writings of the prophets. We're actually speaking into the situation as it was happening. So we have that in front of us, but it's important for us to realize we're closing the books on part of the story. and And we have the perspective now to know that if our allegiance and our reliance and our devotion is to God and God alone and we humbly walk before the Lord serving him then that's a path that's a path that leads somewhere if we don't like if if we choose to live somewhere in the middle trying to live uh, you know with one foot like half of us aligned with God and the other half uh, really just kind of pursuing our own endeavors or if we're just going to live in outright rebellion against the Lord, well, then that's a path, and that goes somewhere. And as we sit here on the 4th of July, uh, closing the books on the invasion and destruction of Jerusalem, well, we've seen where both of those paths go. And that allows us to choose where we might be headed and where it is we might want to end up. And then we, we, can't, uh, we can't just breeze by what's going on in the Apostle Paul's life in Jerusalem in the New Testament. So we watched the destruction of Jerusalem in the Old Testament, but then we're back in Jerusalem in the New Testament. So what's going on here? Well, what's going on is that a lot of time has passed and a lot of rebuilding has been done. And we'll see that story kind of flesh itself out, like, like I said, as we continue forward. But Paul is uh, a Pharisee. Trained as a Pharisee, he's back in Jerusalem because he's been all over the Roman Empire speaking the good news of Jesus. And it's causing a stir everywhere, especially among the Jewish people. So Paul comes back to Jerusalem where he is known. Like at one time he was deeply respected as a zealous Pharisee, truly trying to live up to the law and obey God. Now he's considered an apostate who needs to be killed and they're trying to find a way to kill Paul. And so we see that Paul now would be dead for sure had it not been for the Roman guard, had it not been for the Roman military who have arrested Paul but all that his arrest is doing is protecting him. And we'll have to watch this as we go forward, but Paul is now before the high council, okay? He's, he's before the elitist of the elite, the most scholarly, the most brilliant people in all of the Hebrew culture as it related to their religion, right? So the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, so the Sanhedrin was made up of these two groups of people: the Pharisees, who believed in uh, in resurrection, in in God's angels, in uh, the existence of a spiritual realm. Whereas the Sanhedrin, uh, they denied those things. They essentially believed uh, you have a human life, and when you lay that life down in death, you return to God. That's that. Like there's there's no no other goings on. So the thing is, Paul was a Pharisee, right? It would have been very, very difficult for him as a Pharisee to have had that encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and it make any sense to him because had he been a Sadducee, like he wouldn't have a grid for this. It's not that God couldn't break in upon him, but he already believed in resurrection. So when Jesus came to him on the road to Damascus, Jesus appearing to him in a way that he understood proved to him that how he had been following his spiritual path was correct. There had to be resurrection if Jesus was talking to him. or right? Because Jesus had been killed on a cross. So if Jesus is talking to him on the road to Damascus, then he's alive. So this was persuasive, fundamentally, foundationally persuasive to Paul. So when Paul goes before the Sanhedrin today... He realizes the fundamental issue is a fundamental rift that's been going on in Judaism about resurrection. And he's able to say, I'm on trial because of the resurrection. The reason that I am out around the Roman Empire, the known world, the reason I keep sailing around and going to different cities and talking about Jesus is the resurrection. So he's appealing to his fellow Pharisees, who are on the same page about resurrection they're not on the same page about Jesus being resurrected but they are on the same page about resurrection which causes division which simply exposes the deep canyon of a rift that existed in Judaism so we begin to see you know the the disrupted the disruptive time that the early church was born into and once again, it kind of takes off our rose-colored glasses about the early days when the Holy Spirit came with tongues of fire. And it was just all easy for everybody. People just wanted to be in the kingdom. That's, as we are seeing, that wasn't the climate. Like, it it was definitely a tumultuous time. And as we continue through the New Testament, we'll see that uh, it only got worse. So, that's the lay of the land, and it's it's pretty big, like these are pretty fundamental contextual things that we should understand if we're trying to understand the context of the Bible and and what it might be speaking to us, and so Father, we thank you, we thank you for this day, Uh, this day that certainly we we celebrate Jill on her birthday, but also uh, our independence here in our nation, but we we also pray for all of the nations of the world that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit and set us free, that we would throw away all of our ideologies and, and convictions and, and customs and rituals and cultures in favor of your kingdom, that we might begin to see ourselves as citizens of the kingdom of God. And as we watch where the paths in the scriptures are taking us, help us, Holy Spirit, to apply these things to our lives. We've seen paths in the Old Testament that led to victory against all odds. And we've also seen stories that led to complete destruction. And they were all foretold. They were all in plain black and white before everyone. And they chose And we're choosing to. And even as we continue our journey uh, along with the Apostle Paul, and we see the formation of the early church, we see that the issues that were plaguing people then are plaguing people now, and we still need the power of your Holy Spirit. But you are not withholding the power of your Holy Spirit. We are rejecting it in favor of our own strength, which... Continually Causes disruption And division And that's not the path We're wanting to walk So come Holy Spirit now We can look at the world And we can point out all the evils And we can say If people would just get on the same page About this or that or the other Then things could change But it really does begin with us And so Holy Spirit Come to us And show us how you are transforming and changing the way that we see everything. Come, Jesus, we pray, in your mighty name. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is the website. It's home base, it's where you find out what's up, what's going on around here, and what's up immediately going on around here is that this Sunday, the 7th of July, is our annual Daily Audio Bible Long Walk. Little tradition we have here, our own little holiday that we celebrate. Um, And it's a beautiful, beautiful day to kind of take in so much of what we were just talking about what path am I on where am I going where are you leading me Uh, what's happening because the crush of life the world pulls us away from God and then when things go south or badly for us we're mad at God when it was the fact that we followed the path the way of the world So the 7th of July, the long walk is an opportunity to go like this one day I'm setting this one day like it's off the grid. No one, nothing is taking this day from me. Like I'm circling this. I'm going uh, and I'm checking out. I'm unplugging. I'm going away with God and I'm going to go for a long walk and I'm going to talk until I have nothing left to say. And I'm going to listen until he is done speaking. I'm going to walk out of this day knowing where I am going for the rest of the year. Knowing how to proceed. That's the long walk. Uh, And it's something that we should be doing like every day on a regular basis. Uh, But the world it's very distracting. So we need to remove those distractions for a day and reorient ourselves. Go somewhere beautiful. I mean, this is something that you do individually, even though you will be doing it with tens of thousands of people. Uh, go somewhere beautiful. Whether you just walk out your front door and it happens to be beautiful down the street. Or whether you uh, need to get in your car and get out of town and go somewhere. Uh, where, where, whatever, wherever is calling to you. Go there. And walk. And talk. And talk and sit in silence and listen to the world and the life that is happening all around you and you never even notice. That's the long walk. What makes it a community experience is that you just, you know, take your phone or a camera or something and snap a picture, or take a little video of, of, of where you went and uh, post that back to Facebook. So facebook.com forward slash daily audio Bible. And uh, then we all get to kind of see our own long walks, but see uh, so many others, like little windows into each other's lives. Little windows into your part of the world, your neck of the woods, as we say here in the South. So make plans for that. It's Sunday this year, which makes it fairly convenient. I am looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to seeing all your pictures and your videos. It's a highlight of the year for me so I'm looking forward to seeing that all open up if you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible you can do that at dailyaudiobible.com there is a link it lives on the homepage and I thank you humbly and profoundly for your partnership if you're using the Daily Audio Bible app you can press the give button in the upper right hand corner or the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996 Spring Hill, Tennessee 37174 and as always if you have a prayer request or comment 877-942 4253 is the number to dial and that is it for today I'm Brian I love you and I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow. Hi,
1: DAB family. This is Tara in California. Um, I'm on my second year listening to the DAB, and this is actually the first year that I have been listening all the way through every day. Um, I have a prayer request. Um, Yesterday, I got a diagnosis of ovarian cancer, and I just need prayer um, against fear, because there's a lot of that, and I would like prayer for... Um, just an overwhelming strength of faith to come over me um, that all doubt would just be pushed out um, I would like prayer for the comfort of my little girl she's four and I just she is I've tried not to give her too many details but she's very empathetic and she knows that something's going on so I just I want to pray comfort for her and that you that that Lord Jesus would just help me to uh help her to find comfort in him and i just also would like to pray for blessings over my friends and family who are stepping up and in uh, being there for me and it's just overwhelming um thank you so much for all of your support thank you for this program um uh, this podcast it's been a life changer for me i love you all bye
2: hey Daily audio bible family this is to be a blessing in california wanted to um Just let people know who are working, um, driving trucks or cabs or buses or whatever, that my prayers are with you. I was on the road today and admittedly flying along. It's true. I was going 80 miles an hour and people were passing by. I had to move over to the slow lane because I was in their way. And it just made me think about the challenges that people who drive for a living have. So know that you're in my prayers. Terry the trucker, I'm thinking about you and what you are facing. Wanted to let, uh, blind Tony know that I've sure been enjoying your poetry and continue to pray for you. Lee, whenever I hear you talking, uh, and The first few seconds brings a smile to my face because I know that you're going to be saying some awesome prayers and covetousness. Boy, I tell you, I've got that down in spades and asking God to relieve me of that. Rebecca praying for you and your need for additional work. So God bless you in your pursuit because I know He's going to take care of you. God bless each and every one of you. I'll be in touch again to be a blessing in California. Bye-bye.
3: Stir up the gifts within me, Father, that I might truly be a blessing. Help me, Father, clearly see my sins that need confessing. I'm hard-headed, Father, and I'm stubborn at times, and I'm very impatient with my old friends still committing stupid crimes. It's really hard for me to believe that they really can't see That without your protection, how dead they would be. But it's always easy to see the splinter in someone else's eye. Help me, Father, to clearly see my own sins, to accept them and not deny. For we all fall short, and that's true without a doubt. But it's also true that there's no one that you can't restore and bring out. From destructive behavior patterns and a hardened heart, no one you can't heal father and no one you can't grant a new start but each man must work out his own salvation with fear and trembling and meticulous care help me to keep the focus on my own self because each man has his own cross to bear but each man also has his own gift help me father to use it and not to abuse it to be a source of light and salt And bring all my unproductive habits to a definitive screeching halt. You said if we freely confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Give me clean hands and a pure heart, Father, so that I can offer to you my very best. Stir up the gifts within me and help me to truly be a blessing. And help me, Father, clearly see those sins in my life that need confessing. Tony 1016 at gmail.com like to give a shout out to mike greenberg and sarah jane behind the scenes uh, know you're in my prayers every day and once again brian and heart and family thank you for this wonderful podcast for god's holy spirit to blow. keep it flowing y'all all right bye-bye
4: um hi this is cherry from claremore oklahoma um the tulsa area and uh Sherry and greg um greg's sitting here by me right now um the reason I'm calling um he's just been well he's a paratrooper in the military and um, like a lot of those guys most of the paratroopers he's got well he has three discs basically gone in his bone on bone and through that he's got neuropathy in the feet because of damaged nerves and things and then um he's got something called cerebellar ataxia where the cerebellum is enlarged um And especially against his spinal column and kind of causes some mobility issues. Then he had a brain bleed a year ago, and he had two brain surgeries within two days. And um, he's just kind of been chewed up and spit out. And um, for the first time in my life, I do have this this knowing that he's going to be restored. But right now... um, I mean, he, he's a fighter. I mean, this, this guy, I've seen him just take bashings and, and don't blink an eye, but he's in so much pain. I mean, he just sits there and, like, tears. He's not boo-hooing, but, you know, just the pain. I mean, just tears streaming down. And this is just a constant uh, chronic. It, it never ends. He do not sleep at night. Um, I just need prayer for his healing. However just but I know God can do it like right now and um, just he, he's he got to have release it's been too many years going on and so you guys I know you pray and that's what I'm calling for and that's what we need and I don't know I forgot to set my clock over two minutes into this yet or not but yeah you know, just.
3: and I love God